Is the bond market wrong? Has it been wrong in the past? How useful are these esoteric curve indications we always talk about here at Eurodollar University? Do they correspond with anything in reality? What are they even telling us? Will I stop asking myself questions? Yes. Today of the day the FOMC meets, all eyes are on interest rates, especially forward interest rates. I thought it would be incredibly helpful to go through a real world past example of when it appeared as if the bond market absolutely did get it wrong. But in truth, well, I won't spoil it here. The problem is often our interpretation of what these curves are trying to tell us. So in our current period, we have, to, we have to remember how we got here. Before we get into the example, let's review what happened up to this point before, so we can make some comparisons, some useful comparisons. The, remember the yield curve inverted, the United States yield curve, U.S. Treasury yield curve inverted way back in March of 2022. Eurodollar futures in December of 2021, which is often the case, they precede crisis by a long period of time. Then the inversions really got serious last year during November and December. And then the curve sort of went back and forth and they almost uninverted in February. Remember all the stuff that went on there. Then the banking crisis hit March and April and the curves went way back deeply inverted again. But then they came back in the middle part of the year, disinflation rebound. And then the September sell-off had everybody saying, hey, the curves got it wrong. The inversions were incorrect. This time actually was different. Only to see over the last several weeks, couple months now, Rates are going way back lower. Inversion's gotten really huge again. Forward rates looking incredibly bad. How bad? Well, let's give you an example. I've been talking about Uriber futures. Here's how the mainstream media has, has been forced to confront the sudden change in inversions in those forward rate curves. This is Bloomberg last week. Markets are fully pricing six quarter point rate cuts by the European Central Bank in 2024 for the first time a move that would take the key rate down 150 basis points to 2.5%. There's also an almost 90% chance of the easing cycle starting in the first quarter of next year, a scenario that was barely contemplated just three weeks ago. So did the market get it wrong the last time when it was selling off or this time when it's not selling off, inversions going higher, going lower? What is it that these things are, going to, are actually telling us? After all, the U.S. economy seems like it escaped recession. So is it all a big, much ado about nothing? What is it that these esoteric curves are telling us? As I said, I think there's a good example of, of not too long ago that tells us a lot about what we should be doing as far as interpreting what these curves are actually telling us. And then we can make some useful interpretations that then allow us to look at the current situation from a much more consistent perspective. And always, before we get started, keep in mind here, these curves are not predictions about interest rates. If you see a, the December 2024 term SOFR contract priced at 96, that's not saying the market currently expects term SOFR will be 4% exactly at the end of next year. These are all about probabilities. These are probabilities, not crystal balls. And this is something that we've talked about a lot at our deep dive analysis, a Eurodollar University subscription. I'm going to remind you that we have a Christmas sale going on right now where you can save huge on bundling everything that Eurodollar University offers, including the deep dive analysis, which 
we've already dove deep into all of this material and we're going to continue to go on and evaluate all these esoteric curves that's a deep dive analysis but with the christmas sale you can get the deep dive analysis the daily briefing and a euro dollar university membership all for one exceptionally low price check it out at our website eurodollar.university so we're going to use the Eurodollar futures curve here because it has a very prolonged, very deep history. It goes back a long period of time. Term SOFR is more of a, a recent invention and don't get me started on that one. That's a whole other story. But essentially we'll focus on Eurodollar futures because there's the similarities between SOFR and Eurodollar futures. It's, it's, it's the same idea. The market's looking ahead at what money rates and the money rate picture might look like in the future. Again, not crystal ball, not predictions, but probabilities of how the world might turn out, which would lead to money rates behaving in certain ways that we can look at and say, okay, the market is thinking this because the curve looks like that. And in the pre-crisis period, obviously the Eurodollar futures curve got most of it correct. And in fact, you could actually argue that it wasn't pessimistic enough. The inversion first started, as I mentioned in a recent video, all the way back in 2006. The inversions got really strong in early 2007, got really strong, and then they kind of uninverted in the middle of 2007, then really inverted again, because they go back and forth. Nothing ever goes in the straight line. But by and large, the Eurodollar futures curve, along with other of these bond market indications, said, hey, something big is happening here, and guess what? Something big happened. Again, you could argue that the Eurodollar futures curve should have been even more inverted, but back then it's it's understandable why the market would be would be incredulous about the possibility of what became the 2008 crisis as well as the Great Recession. It didn't seem like that that something that big could even be possible, and then it actually was. But that's not the example that I have in mind, because again, I think Eurodollar futures got more of that right than wrong. It's in the post-crisis, in the immediate post-crisis period that we're going to turn to. By 2009, the middle of 2009, the Eurodollar futures curve had re-steepened back out. And that's one thing that we have to start uh, recognizing here, that the, these money curves, even when interest rates are at zero, the short-term money rates are at zero, curves wanna be upward sloping. This is something that policymakers had said all along. They make, the, make this complaint about uh, uh, OAS futures too, but essentially curves want to be upward sloping. And that's not a prediction that interest rates are supposed to go up like this at a straight line in time. Again, it's about probabilities. When the euro dollar curve is upward sloping, when it's sharply upward sloping, what that's saying is the market looks at the situation today and sees a clear path or at least a more clear path to a better future where interest rates can rise off of low rates and go higher, which is something that we want to see. Higher interest rates are good. So when the Eurodollar futures curve or the term SOFR curve or term Euriber curve today are upward sloping, that's a positive sign that there's a probability and a realistic pathway for legitimate recovery, which would lead interest rates to normalize. That's what upward sloping meant. But already in 2009, you could see that the market was becoming a little more pessimistic. And again, you could argue that the market should have been even more pessimistic than it was, but this was all brand new experience. Didn't quite know what to make of Alan Greenspan's green shoots in the middle of 2009. It seemed like there might be a recovery, but also seemed like there's quite a bit that was still wrong. So the curve, when we get back to the middle of 2009, 
wasn't all the way back to where it had been in 2007. Maybe it wasn't all going to go right the way it had been planned. Maybe these QEs weren't going to work. So we get to 2011. We go through all sorts of stuff in 2010, which raised the chances that something's not right here. We had the flash crash on Wall Street in May 2010, which was really about liquidity drying up because of the repo problems related to the European sovereign debt crisis. It wasn't really European sovereign debt crisis. It led to a collateral shortage. And by the time we get to 2011, even after the second QE in the United States and lots of stuff, bond buying and OMPs from the European Central Bank, the euro dollar futures market was a little more pessimistic still. You can see here how the euro dollar futures curve was a little bit, it wasn't a little bit flatter, it was actually substantially flatter than where it had been in 2009. It was down about a full point from where it had been just a year and a half earlier. But here's the thing, here's the, here's the example that we're really looking at. Between February 2011 and September 2011, the curve just absolutely crashed. And it crashed in a very dramatic fashion. The entire front end actually inverted a little bit there, even though rates were pinned at zero at that particular moment in time. The front end of the Eurodollar futures curve in the middle of September was slightly inverted out to around 15 months. The back end of the curve was only as high as 1.85%. Again, that's not a prediction, that's a relative probability that basically said, the market looked at what happened in 2011 and said, I don't like what's going on here. Massive amounts of hedging. I mean, really massive amounts of hedging, true curve collapse, which seemed like the market was pricing some really bad stuff going on. After seeing how the curve absolutely collapsed, the high degree of demand for that type of hedging, forward perceptions of interest rates, you could, th you could see how people would say, well, the market got that all wrong. Because in 2011 or 2012, the U.S. didn't experience a recession. It may have come close, but there was no declared recession. There was no massive amounts of layoffs. There was nothing like 2008 and 2009. There was no Lehman Brothers. Though we heard rumors of banking, banking problems around the world, there were no additional failures. It wasn't even a single failure, let alone a, a, a bunch of them. So what did the, the euro dollar futures market just get it wrong I, the curve absolutely went nuts it collapsed it went crazy you looked at it if you live remember living through that period it was like holy crap what is really going on here and without the recession in the united states without the massive amounts of layoffs without the bank failures without another lehman brothers not without a worldwide global conflagration that we would remember like we did 2008 it does seem like the curves got that one wrong but again, it's all about our interpretation. If your standard here, if your straw man is, you need another Lehman Brothers to go with that curve in order to validate the curve, you are interpreting the information incorrectly because it's not about recessions or Lehman Brothers necessarily. Remember what these things are. These are forward interest rate projections. And so what the market was saying in, in the, this curve collapse in the middle of 2011, was that there was enough going wrong that the outcome was going to produce economic and fundamental situations and circumstances where interest rates did not have a clear path to go higher. It didn't need a recession. It didn't need a Lehman Brothers. The crisis in 2011, which was a very real crisis in 2011, was sufficient to choke off the recovery before it really got going, which was an even worse scenario.
So when we step back and look at what happened in 2011 and really afterward, what we see is that the markets actually nailed it. Again, what they were saying is that the chances after the 2011 crisis for interest rates to go higher for good reasons, those were completely gone. And it didn't take a recession to do it. It was just enough to choke off the recovery. And why did the recovery disappear? What choked it off? Well, it was a legitimate liquidity crisis. Even though we didn't have bank failures, you can have a liquidity crisis, a severe one, that doesn't necessarily lead to bank failures. As Josh says, we have to do a video about this at some point in the future, which we'll get to. But in 2011, that was absolutely the case. And it got so severe, it led to one of my all-time favorite quotes because it really exposes the lies and fallacies related to the Federal Reserve and bank reserves. This is August of 2011. As interest rates are falling sharply, as the Eurodollar futures curve is absolutely crashing and plummeting, here's what the Federal Reserve was talking about in private. This is Brian Sack, who is the system open market manager at the time. He asked, can I add a comment? In terms of your question about reserves, as I noted in the briefing, we are seeing funding pressures emerge. We are seeing a lot more discussion about the potential need for liquidity facilities. I mentioned in my briefing that the FX swap lines could be used, but we've seen discussions of tap type facilities in the market write-ups, which were 2008 crisis programs. So the liquidity pressures are pretty substantial. And I think it's worth pointing out this is all happening with 1.6 trillion of reserves in the system. So two QEs, 1.6 trillion in reserves, and we're having the type of funding pressures emerge, even those at the Federal Reserve can see it and appreciate it for what it is. So the, the markets were saying, we see significant things going wrong in the monetary system, and we believe that these things going wrong are going to have severe consequences. But if you thought those severe consequences was were going to be Lehman Brothers and a mass, nasty 2008 recession, you looked at the market and said, oh, you got it wrong. The severe consequences were even more severe for the long run, which was the recovery died. It died in 2011, and that's what the curves were telling us. And remember, they got it absolutely right because this is about interest rates, technically about interest rates, fundamentally about interest rates. The Federal Reserve would not get rates above 1%, its target rate above 1% for six years, another six years, six years before we got above 1%. Bond yields, bond yields in 2010 and 2011, we wouldn't see those levels again for over a decade. So again, the Eurodollar futures curve said nothing more than, hey, we don't see a pathway for interest rates to go higher anytime soon. And guess what? Interest rates did not have a pathway to go higher anytime soon. The problem is, as I said, our interpretation of what curves are telling us. What is it that creates these outcomes that are being priced in the markets? These probabilities that are being priced in the market. Because that's what the curve was saying in 2011. The probability that interest rates had a path to go higher had been disappeared by a liquidity crisis that today hardly anyone remembers. People remember the bank failures, they don't remember the total failure of QE. Well, the Eurodollar futures market does. Having gone through that review, let's talk about what that means in our current context. Because again, the Eurodollar futures curve, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Now we have term SOFR, we've got term URIBOR, good enough for our purposes here. What they've been saying is similar. Something's very similar, which is pretty scary when you think about it. 
But it doesn't go in a straight line. It goes back and forth. When we were in the banking crisis in March and April, when there were banks failing, including Credit Suisse, it wasn't just U.S. regional banks, heavy amounts of hedging, the market saying the possibility of rates going higher from here and staying higher, chances of that were disappearing. Then we got the disinflation rebound in the economy. We got away from the banking crisis and the probability of rates staying higher started to look a little bit better. But then the September sell-off, which began in which began in August and moved into September and October, the September sell-off in the bond market, everybody rushed in to, to overanalyze that sell-off when they should have realized that just happens every September. Don't put too much emphasis on that sell-off. And as soon as the sell-off was over, as soon as the September effect uh, was done, what happened? Markets have gone right back into their inversion saying the chances of interest rates staying higher has diminished even more than seven months ago. That's the real scary thought here. And what that says is, what, it, what the markets are telling us, just like 2011, is nothing more than the 2020s appear more likely to end up being like the 2010s than not. It's up to us to interpret how that might come about. Does that mean we need a Lehman Brothers? Does that mean we need a nasty recession? Or can we just simply choke off economic growth like in like uh, over a dozen years ago. While the liquidity problems that we see all throughout the Eurodollar system are every bit as real as they were back in 2011, is it enough to say that they're going to choke off growth without a recession? Do we avoid that kind of a worst case scenario? I don't think given these, the situation we find ourselves in, coming off the artificial high of 20, 2021 and 2022, that's what the curves are telling us. How do we get from 2021 and 2022 to a situation that looks more like the 2010s. That's where I think the deflationary recession scenario comes into play. And that's why I think the curves are telling us a greater and greater chance of that scenario playing out. Because what they're really saying is, given where we are today and given where we are, we have been over the last couple of years, we look at the interest rate environment and the overall economic and monetary circumstances that will create it as looking more like the 2010s. So that's what they're saying. There's a transition from where we are now to something more like the 2010s. And the more the interest rates want to go lower, the higher the probability there is no path for rates to stay higher. As that Bloomberg article pointed out, there is a lot going on in forward rate markets right now, a lot of important stuff. I just did a video recently on it. That's the one linked below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, Eurodollar University subscribers. And if you want to become one, check out our Christmas sale. And until next time, take care.